it can be a hazard living in a beautiful, peaceful, prosperous place that, that can blind you to the struggles that the rest of the world has. Deep Cove, a tightly knit community, has had insane growth since World War II. A lot has happened to Deep Cove in the 70 plus years since the 1950s, but despite this, many aspects have stayed the same throughout history. This is episode 7 of the Iron Sharpens Iron podcast, and today we will look into the development of life in Canada and more specifically, Deep Cove. Deep Cove, located in North Vancouver, BC, is a place enjoyed by both locals and tourists alike. It is a beautiful, picturesque location and has great little businesses lining the main road. Beginning as an isolated village to what now is a thriving community has changed a lot. There's still a sense of separateness. Once you've lived in the cove for a while, you feel like apart from the rest of North End or from downtown. It's not in necessarily in a bad way, but even for me, it's still a special deal to go downtown. The cove is it's a special experience, a special place. And even though you can get on the bus and be downtown in half an hour, it's still a little bit cut off from the rest of the world and both a physical sense and a metaphysical sense too. A lot of people growing up in the cove, because it is so safe and prosperous, people can grow up thinking that the whole world's just fantastic, but you don't have to go very far from the cove to realize it's not. And, and so that's the one hazard of growing up in a place like this is that a person's worldview can be a little bit skewed or a little unrealistic. This is Craig Johnson, a prominent Deep Cove resident born in 1955, who worked formerly at Seacove Secondary as an education assistant and youth worker. Isolation in a place with no problems, like Deep Cove, can be hazardous and can result in a person's worldview being skewed or unrealistic. Unless you're cautious by traveling or meeting new people from other parts of the world and listening slash understanding their problems, your life will just be self-centered. There's a lot of danger and poverty and challenges in the world, and without proper education, a false impression of how the world is is bound to happen. It wasn't as easy to get downtown as it is now from Deep Cove. Deep Cove then was a really remote suburb of Vancouver. When my parents moved here, a lot of their friends would say, like, what the heck are you moving way out there for? As though they were in Chilliwack, partly because it was more difficult to get from the cove. There was no bus service. There was no freeway with a big bridge at the second arrows. So it was a community cut off to some extent from the rest of North Van. Experiencing the world through traveling, hosting an exchange student from Kenya, and learning about different cultures helps to open up your worldview. Going to Kenya, Craig Johnson and his family were able to see first person the culture, living conditions, and environment of different parts of the world. That was a really important part of our kids' education, was seeing a part of the world where you talk about hard work. I mean, my God, we saw people wearing flip-flops, crushing rocks with hammers to make roads on the equator in the sunshine. And then all they'd earn would be enough to have supper that night. And then they'd be back out of the next day. So that helped instill some respect for labor and how hard some people have to work to, to make a go of it. Because in my experience at working at SECO, I certainly saw a change over the years in the kids going there 
it became more and more common for kids whose families have an awful lot of money. That wasn't the case when I started, but it certainly is the case now. It can create a false impression of the way the world is. The Deep Cove life has changed a lot over the years. Many of the iconic buildings in the Cove were replaced by newer, bigger institutions in the last 50 years. Mount Seymour passes were only $2. Bus transportation was not ideal, and playing outside was one of the most entertaining things. These are just a few of the many changes. When I grew up, just about everybody was in the same socioeconomic state, which was comfortable. It was good. And that has changed once again in the last 40 years with improved transportation and bus service and the roadways and also just the growth of Vancouver. Deep Cove started to be recognized for another reason, that it's a beautiful, peaceful place to live. So it became much more desirable for people with quite a bit of money. It's changed again to be a middle to upper class community. So it's interesting how over my lifetime it's gone from working class when it was a sawmill village and then working class after the war with returning veterans. And then as Vancouver grew, becoming a really popular place for people with a lot of dough. Everyone was in the middle class. No one was really poor, and there are very few wealthy people. But now, everything has gone more expensive, and almost unlivable to some standards. But one thing has stayed the same, the water and landscape. Almost every little kid had a little boat, and we'd go out fishing and rowing around and exploring. Down at the public wharf at the foot of Strathcona in the summertime, there would have been a whole fleet of little dinghies pulled up on the beach, myself included. So we spent a lot of time down there swimming and boating. So basically the mountain in the winter and the, the ocean in the summer were the big recreational things. Plus, and there was a lot more just play, like just running around playing. Up until the time of the war, the only people that were around the cove were either vacationers or permanent residents that worked at the Dollarton Mill. However, when the war ended, many servicemen came from overseas and started filling up houses. Many servicemen were coming back from overseas and getting married and having families, so it made the housing shortage even greater. So places like Deep Cove and other similar communities near Vancouver started to fill up. So when I was a, a very young kid, Almost everybody that lived here, their parents had been in the war and had lived through the Great Depression and all that stuff. Many of the first Deep Cove residents were seeking a post-war dream location, and Craig Johnson was no exception from this. My parents moved here in 1951. They had both grown up in Saskatchewan and moved here to Vancouver in the end of 1947, and uh, they rented uh, you know, a basement suite in North Van for two and a half years until they saved up enough to buy this place. Because that was one of the benefits of the Cove being primitive then. It was also a cheap place to buy a house. At that point, after the war, a lot of properties in Canada had been set aside and could only be bought by veterans who had served overseas. As a way of rewarding servicemen for being involved in the war, they are able to purchase a house more realistically and affordable for people. It would encourage the sense that it had been worth it, that being a part of the Army or Navy or Air Force had been a benefit. I grew up with frequent mentions of the Great Depression from both of my parents, because my father had to quit school before he finished grade 8 to go to work on farms in Saskatchewan during the 1930s, because his 
his father had died and his mom couldn't afford to keep him in school. He certainly had and still has a very strong sense of the value of money and how it can be really hard to get. And he vividly remembers times when it wasn't easy to get a job or even to get a good meal. And then his way out of the Depression, and you could say that Canada's way out of the Depression too, was the war. Suddenly, everybody was fully employed. When the war started, guys like him didn't necessarily see it as a bad thing because they made a job. They could get the hell out of Saskatchewan or wherever they were stuck and see a bit of the world and sounded not as romantic as the start of the First World War, but they had practical reasons for, for joining up and probably even stronger reasons than patriotism. But there again, they were young kids, 17 or 18 years old. They were pretty ignorant of you know what war was like, but they were coming from a pretty rough bare subsistence existence, but they were just absolutely terrified of the idea of going into debt because they'd known so many people who, at the start of the Great Depression, lost their farms or what their homes, property they might have had because they owed money on it and they couldn't pay their bills. In the early to mid-50s, the majority of people who moved to the Cove were returning veterans. In the aftermath of the war, left everyone with a post-war dream. And certainly their dream was to put the war behind them have a steady job and, you know, get married and have a house and raise a family. And they were living that dream. And it it was a good and realistic one, and probably more so than now, because back then, even making a dollar twenty an hour, you could earn enough in a year to buy a house. Try that now. There's no way. You'd have to be the CEO of a big corporation to be able to buy a house in a year now. So in many respects, it was it was a better time financially. You didn't have to go into 40 years worth of mortgage debt in order to have a house to raise your family. But on the other hand, people were much more satisfied with a very modest house. Looking at the broader topic, Canada's economy has grown drastically after World War II. And with that comes better infrastructure, quality of living, and technology. There was a massive difference between the experience of the guys coming after the First World War compared to the Second World War. Partly because they didn't expect the war to end when it did. They didn't prepare the economy or country in any way. And at that point, governments didn't feel it was their responsibility to look after people. They were in charge of roads, mail, organizing an army, and signing treaties. And with that, they didn't provide any services. By the Second World War, things had changed really fundamentally, in, particularly in the U.S. and Canada, where governments had woken up to the fact that they had to have a hand in looking after people. And it was the Great Depression played a big role in that, that through programs, they had to make sure that their people were looked after, whether it was with medical care or education or relief loans. But the other thing is, with the Second World War, they knew it was coming to an end. And they had the mindset that, whoa, we better prepare for the end of the war. So they developed lots of programs to assist veterans coming back to find a job or to get training for a job or to go back to school and have that paid for to provide housing. So they they put a lot of thought into it so that the experience of guys coming back in 1945-46 was generally a very positive one. They, They came back to an economy that was in good shape partly because so much of the world had been devastated. The U.S. and Canada were untouched, and they were. The demand for products and food and whatnot that could be produced here and then shipped elsewhere was huge. So there was tons of work. And that was the start of real prosperity in Canada. Adapting to live throughout the changes of society and the economic landscape, one thing that helped them push through and thrive was buying a house early on. 
they took advantage of the fact that if they could afford a house, then they bought it. And so we did as soon as we could. And now it's worth nine or ten times what we paid for it. But more importantly, we can raise our kids here and feel secure that we've got our own home paid for. It's a pretty nice feeling. But I feel bad for the generation after me coming along. They don't have that option. They've got to, one way or another, come up with a million and a half dollars to buy a house in the coffin. I don't envy them. I didn't appreciate what a gift it was to not have too much money when I was young and have to work for it. In those days, you could work at a job like at a mill and earn enough in a summer to pay for your whole tuition, your books, your vehicle, or your transportation. Craig Johnston had many jobs in his lifetime, all of them teaching him new skills in life and important values he would cherish throughout his years. He now teaches his kids what he learned, just like his parents did the same. Having the paper was a big deal because I was responsible for collecting the money from all my customers every every month and then paying their share and then figuring out what to do with mine. And my parents were really good at guiding me. So I said, look, you should have a budget and put a certain amount in your bank account every month. But they weren't really super strict about it either. They let me pretty much make my own decisions and make my own mistakes. I think it did instill a, a sense of the value of money. Independency was a big part of the past of Craig Johnson and the people around him. Going to school, he had to take an hour-long bus or hitchhike if he wanted an alternative way. It was a sense of extraordinary safety, like there was nobody ever worried about their kids walking to school in the morning. A few weeks ago, I was down in the Myrtle, and I realized there were actually more parents there watching the little kids than there were little kids. Whereas when I was a kid, there wouldn't have been any parents there at all. It would have just been a whole bunch of little kids who spontaneously decided to play in the woods for a while. So that's changed, whether it's realistic or not. That sense of being able to just run free as a kid has disappeared. The society would view a parent that let their kid do that as being irresponsible. That's the sense I got of how the cove and the greater society beyond it has changed. We had a lot more freedom, and if we had a little job or some way of earning money, we were pretty much allowed to spend it as we pleased because there really wasn't anything bad to spend money on in those days. But parents had less to worry about. It's still a wonderful place to be a kid, it's just different than it was. Though the cove and the greater sense of society has changed, Craig Johnston has managed to find jobs that have given him unique opportunities and perspectives of the world. I got out of high school and started to work outside of North Van because when I was 17, I got a job on a cruise ship going to Alaska and I was working with people from all over the world from Eastern Europe and Asia. And it was my first exposure to the fact that, wow, some of the guys that are washing dishes and doing real grunt jobs on the ship, they were raising families and kids. And I was just some geek, 17-year-old kid that wanted to save up money to buy a car. So that's when it started to dawn on me that some people just have to bust their ass to get by and are willing to do anything or any job in order to feed their family. And then it developed from there, my own travel. But it was that job on the cruise ship was my breakthrough year in realizing that the whole world is not like Deep Cove by any means. While trying to make a few extra bucks, Craig Johnston worked at the McDonald Cedar product mill in Langley. It was just bloody hard work, like really hard work. At the end of the day, I was just completely knackered. But it was interesting too, because I was working with recent immigrants from India and a 
whole mix of people, guys with no education at all. And, and after it was done, I really valued it. The fact that I worked with a wide variety of people. That's one thing that a lot of people now do not get the chance to do. They're pretty much always with people like themselves. They're in school, they're with other Cove kids. They go to university, they're with other people who are like-minded. And then they get a job with some company downtown and they're surrounded again by people very similar to themselves. But I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to work and travel and whatnot with people whose experience was vastly different than mine. It was part of my education. Following his years at SFU, there was an economic recession in Canada. So finding a job was difficult. After working on a cruise for some time, they decided to go back to school for two years, and on April 28, 1986, he was hired to work at Seco Secondary as a youth worker and eventually an education assistant. Seco was getting the reputation of being a drug school, so they hired Craig Johnston to fix that. As people were gathering in Myrtle, they created a facility down there that they could make use of. They couldn't smoke or drink, but it was a drastically better alternative than just sitting outside. And it was a real success. Kids that were lonely or had emotional issues all seemed to get along. And I did that for 12 years. It was a huge motivator, but it took a long time to start to see that. It isn't something you see right away, but by hanging around at a, at a job and living in the community for so long, I would bump into somebody who had been going through real problems when I knew them. and. They'd really got their lives together. And they would always speak happily of their time coming down to the drop-in or going on some camping trip. That made me feel really good. We weren't just doing recreational stuff. This was stuff that actually helped people get through a hard time in their life. So that became a very strong motivator. It just emphasized to me that, hey, what you're doing is the right thing. And, and that felt good to know that the work I'd done amounted to something but did some good both for in individual lives and in the community as well. And in the process, I had a great time too. For most people, motivation evolves throughout a person's life. You get an idea of where you want to go and what you want to improve on or what you want to attain. Just keep plugging because I don't think you can give anybody a magic key to a successful life. People have to find it for themselves. What I might say to my younger self is that even what seems like unpleasant advice then probably will turn out to be valuable. So pay attention. It taught me to respect people who've been around the block a few times and have some experience and usually they're worth listening to. With age comes maturity and growth as a person from jobs, traveling, people in your life, and the location you live. People and situations around the world inspire and teach people about hard work and motivation. Having to work in various jobs, Craig Johnson was tested at every angle to be hardworking, taking inspiration from others, and manifesting his own motivation throughout his life in Deep Cove makes his stories all the better. But the story isn't finished. Deep Cove still has a lot ahead of it. This was the seventh episode of the Iron Sharpens Iron podcast. And thanks to Craig Johnston for taking his time to be interviewed. And thank you for listening.